Welcome to Season 2 of Busting Addiction and Its Myths, sponsored by Safe House Rehab Thailand, where we offer a modern approach to recovery, breaking with tradition by introducing new technologies that help disrupt the cycle of addiction. To learn more, visit us at safehouserehab.com and click on the video, or contact us at info at safehouserehab.com, and we'll tell you about our $1,000 airfare allowance and referral rewards program. My name is Bruno J. And here's why I created this podcast. Our research has shown that despite the opioid epidemic and the worldwide panic over the ravages of addiction, we didn't see that treatment centers were doing anything different to break the cycle more effectively and improve the odds of long-term success. So we have set out to do things differently and to let all those who love an addict or alcoholic know more about the advances in treatment that we represent. Here's what we're doing differently. We have designed our diagnostics and detox to isolate and treat opioid and multi-addiction, example, alcohol plus opioids plus speed, more effectively, given that these are the new challenges of addiction in the 21st century. We integrate leading-edge technology into the recovering process, thereby disrupting the disorder, speeding the recovery of brain health. Clients come to treatment with damaged brains. This is a given. We pay attention to the importance of dopamine and other ingredients vital to brain health recovery. Traditional rehabs don't provide anywhere near the tools and close guidance that clients truly need to help keep them clean and sober for life. We do it right. First, we advise our clients to go into our sober living facility to serve as a transition to normal life, and we absolutely outperform traditional rehabs when it comes to providing a structure for long-term recovery. So if you love an addict or alcoholic and you feel like your loved one is sucking the oxygen out of your life, is stealing your money, stealing your peace of mind and your sanity, this podcast is for you. If you're feeling rage and shame and and he or she is living rent-free in your head 24-7, this podcast is for you. I hope to have you gain a better understanding of the nature of addictive disorder and the invisible effect it has on your psyche. It's my fervent hope you also gain a little more compassion for your loved one and for yourself in spite of this cunning, baffling, and powerful disease. To paraphrase an author in this space, we struggle because we love. In this episode, which we'll call Q&A on AA, this is episode 7, season 2, I'm going to bring back my brilliant young friend Tony. Today... We're going to compare our perspectives on recovery using the 12-step program. In this case, it applies to us both, the program known as AA, short for Alcoholics Anonymous. Tony, welcome back. Hi, Bruno. Thanks again, and thanks for having me. So today, let's share our perspectives on various aspects of our personal recovery from alcoholism guided in large part, but not exclusively by AA. Are you up for that, Tony? Sure, absolutely. It sounds good. Far away. So thank you. First, uh, we need to dispel some myths, and uh, please weigh in as you see fit. The word anonymous is not about secrecy, it's about privacy. Because back in the day, and even today, alcoholics have needed a safe place where they can share their stories without fear that they will be outed and have it cause damage to their relationships, their careers, or their standing in the community. Fact is, there's still a stigma associated with having this disorder, that's sad to say. 
So, Tony, what's your take uh, on the charge that AA is a secretive organization, also known as a cult? Hmm. Uh, AA is a cult. I hear it a lot, I'm not going to lie, and I hear okay. it even more frequently amongst the younger members. The younger the candidate, the younger the member of AA or NA, the more I hear the word cult, cult, cult. Okay. And whether that's just because it's closed-minded or they really are associating the behaviours and the practices of AA as a cult, I don't know. But from what I've seen in, in my time, what I've kind of experienced personally is the younger generation especially don't like the way the system is with it. They especially dislike the word God. Right. And they're not as open-minded as some of the others, the older members as such. Not as open-minded about the concept of a higher power, uh, also known as God, or... The word God, just the word God, is a the, massive no-no for off. Okay. so many, instantly, okay. from right. millennials, the younger generation. Okay. You think it's because they're connecting God to a man the Christian the religion yeah, kind of stuff? Man with a beard, in the sky, in the clouds. Okay. That kind of stuff. Well, that's Maharishi Yogi. He's smoking dope, man. Yeah. Yeah. There you okay. go. All right. So there's resistance to the concept of God, and there is the perception that AA is a cult. Um, I think what's also off-putting to those not acquainted with AA is the concept of being powerless over alcohol and that you need to totally surrender your old ideas of having any personal willpower to control your drinking. Um, what, what's, your, what's your take on the concept of powerlessness and surrender? Powerlessness, exactly what it says in the word. I mean, just in my case, over alcohol. So I have absolutely no power, no control over myself when I'm exposed to alcohol, which has been proven to myself over and over and over again. It's, I do, I know 100% sure that I don't touch alcohol and I'm in control of myself. The minute I touch alcohol in right. any kind of okay. way, whether it's a sip, whether it's a bottle, whether it's a whatever, it doesn't matter. It's, I do not know what the outcome will be. Okay, so what gives you the power to not drink now? What gives me the power to not drink? If you Honestly, were powerless earlier over alcohol, yeah. as I was, I mean, sure. we're in the same place. Yeah. Um, then I needed, for me, I needed to acquire another power, not me. So how did you acquire the power to enable you not to drink? It wasn't just one individual thing. Uh, it was a long struggle, a long battle, of which there were many factors which contributed directly to that, whether it was treatment whether it was the AA, whether it was NA, whether it was the programs or the 12-step programs of any of the sort, having a sponsor, practice. Essentially, what it was is reconditioning myself to being able to live again okay. without... Without, okay. Right. With the help of others. Okay. On my own, there was absolutely no hope yeah. for me. Okay. And the other part that I think people have trouble with is that you need to, we needed to totally surrender our old ideas of having any personal willpower to control our drinking. Did you have to, you had some ideas before, as I did. And for me, I found that I had to like 
completely throw away my old ideas because my thinking was so warped. So the concept of surrender to me at that point was I was surrendering my old way of thinking to a new way of thinking. Did Is that how you also saw it? Yeah, absolutely. 100% agree with you. Okay. Um, so another one that comes to mind is the myth that there's a cure, but as you, as you said so eloquently yourself, this is something that never, ever goes away, right? Yeah. And so you accept that. And what do you do to make sure that you stay in the day and that you not only stay sober, but start to live, you know, a joyful life? Again, it was practice. It was time. It was patience. And... Oh, we're good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So... Um, Talk about the concept that there is no cure, that this never goes away, and that it's a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of your emotional and spiritual condition. I so the whole that, concept of staying in, in today and what that does for you. Yeah, I think what I've found, as many others have found, is that it's not something that just goes away. It is something that unfortunately... I mean, it's it's not we're gifted with it, we're cursed with it in a way, but it's not something that goes away. And we have to keep ourselves in check to not go back to those old ways. And the easiest way that seems to be for anyone to kind of do that is by keeping it in the day. Right. Not overthinking it too much of right. tomorrow, next week, next year, right. but just for today. Right. Which is something which we hear in all the fellowships as right. well. Okay. Um, but it works. It works, and it makes things a hell of a lot easier, right. a hell of a lot simpler, yeah. and far more realistic. Right. Um, with the guys that I happen to sponsor, and it's a privilege to sponsor them. These are all good old American boys, and this is what I tell them. I said, "Listen, Buster, you can stay sober forever if you stay sober today." And they go, "Really? What? What? What?" Mm. I said, "Because it's always today." Mm -hmm. right and so they go oh okay it's the same with like what i hear you telling us is it lightens the burden because as eckhart tolle says there is only the now right so if i focus on that then i'm doing okay because i can wake up the next day and do the same thing and stay sober so i'm going to step off my soapbox now um how about we should have a sponsor who acts as a tour guide and a mentor to keep us on the path. How important is that? Sure. What, why, why or what not better way than sa have someone alongside you on your journey whose recovery you admire, whose recovery you, you look at and you say, you know what, I want that. Okay. And I think this is another important thing when it comes with sponsors or anything where I prefer to, if I have to recommend it to anyone, I would say make sure you like what you see in that person. Because right. that's going to be someone that you need to trust, they need to trust, and vice versa. Yeah. And you're going to help each other on your journey. Okay. You know? And at the end of the day, it's for your well-being. Have you ever had your sponsor thank you for the insights that you bring to the relationship? I have. That I have okay. on, on a few occasions. How does that feel when which, you hear that? Which is kind of catches me off like off yeah, guard right. in shock yeah. I mean yeah. wh why why would I don't have anything I feel that I can contribute right to you you know 30 years 32 years yeah, yeah. but 
it's not the case. We learn something new every day. All right. Even from the guys we sponsor. Yeah. So, um, what does what did he say? I mean, literally, when you shared something, and did he say something like I've said, which is I never thought of it that way, right? Not word for word, but similar. So similar. Or another one is thanks for reminding me of where I don't want to go back to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Okay. How about the idea that one drink is too many and a thousand is not enough? The whole concept of, you know, once you start, you can't stop. It is what it is. Right. I've tried it a hundred times when I was trying to get clean and sober, trying to trick myself, trying to have one drink that I could do it with one drink, I could do it with a few, this will be it, this will be that. It's not the case. It's just the biggest load of horseshit. It's not how it works. Right. We can't stop at one. Right. We can't. It's just yeah. not possible. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, unfortunately, I've had to learn the hard way. Learn the hard way. If, I, I mean, I, by all means, please go try it. It's not possible. You know, it's so interesting. Don't be as well yeah. as well, stubborn as I was. Well, and and to some extent, how much are you personally to? This is a really tricky one for people. I've found is that. There was some free choice initially when I took that drink, but I lost the power of choice. And the general public does not understand losing control completely. They just don't get it. I think what happens is once you explain that this is a disease and a disorder, that's a compulsive type of disorder, they begin to sort of understand, okay, the compulsion has taken you over, right? And you're now in the grip of this disease. It's still a hard one for people to understand, right? Um, when you have a discussion with uh, people who are not alcoholics and maybe not even acquainted with AA or NA, how do you deal with the notion of explaining to them what alcoholism is? How do you how do you explain it to to people who maybe actually asking to understand a little bit more about mm. it, but have no clue. In other words, they're in the no clue stage. We know plenty mm. of those people. Like, mm. just say no. Well, come on. I see what you're asking, and I completely understand, and it is a tricky one. It's Unfortunately, it's one of those things that if you have not been in those shoes, or if you've not been in those shoes, if you've not been in it yourself physically, you can't relate to it. You can't. You, it's just, it's not possible. So it's, right. it's, it's one of those, unfortunately. And it doesn't matter if you're the most intelligent scholar who's read every single book on addiction and behavior and everything there is right. to know about right. it. Right. You can understand it, but you can't really feel it. You don't get it. You okay. almost get it. You right. want to get you it, but you don't. It, you just don't get it 100%. How, what is the challenge then for, and it was a challenge for, in my family, and it was clearly, based on our discussions, a challenge for your family to understand that we had this disorder, right? And that we did not have, at that point, free choice. And that having this disorder explained an awful lot. And as for me, stealing from my family by pretending I needed a loan over something that I just wanted money for more drugs and alcohol or chasing a woman. Uh, so lying, stealing, causing them endless worry. It, how, how did you, how were you able to convey to your family uh, the concept of you're in the grip of a disease? How, how, do, how does that happen? And it can only happen once you sober up, right? Because you don't even know or care. 
Yeah, and right? I think a big part of it is that this this disease, as we call it, it really messes with all of your morals. Right. It all, okay. It very much go. changes your personality. It very much changes you as a person. The perception of you from what people know you as is completely and utterly destroyed and fogged over by this disease. It plays with others' emotions. It plays, and many factors come into it, which are, I mean, they're explainable, of course, but they're very hard for others to understand and more, even more so to, to watch, observe, uh -huh. yeah. and, and especially becoming a victim of our behaviors and our patterns of, of whatever it is that we do because we don't act like who we are. We, right. we go against everything that we are. We violate our own values. Exactly. Right. And um, the other part that, that is worth talking about is um, how uh, an addict or alcoholic in the family just sucks all the oxygen out of the room for a family. They get totally obsessed with yeah. your situation. I mean, you talk I mean, a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, there's only so much you can take, right, at the end of the day. And, I mean, most people have a limit. Your family tends to have a slightly extended limit. Right. But They'll give you more rope. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to hold on to. Um, but even that rope, run, run, well, it runs out eventually, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Um, how about the critical importance of watching your thoughts and not carrying guilt unnecessarily? You were talking about the other day about the tenth step as a way of keeping us on the good side of society, owning up to what we did and apologizing or making it right immediately. Yeah. Step ten is very important to me, and it's one that I incorporate into my every day. Right. What it is? Yeah, so step ten for me is basically a personal inventory of myself on that day, right. my patterns of behavior. Right. And and how I am. It's a check-in with okay. myself. Step 10 is a check-in right. for me with myself. So it says, continue to take personal inventory and when correct, we were correct. wrong, promptly, promptly admitted, admitted it. it. So the issue there is knowing what we did and then promptly, which gives you a little wiggle room, but not a whole lot, because the longer you wait, the more guilt will you know, pile up in your head. Is that a fair way of... It, it is, it. and I mean, I make it very easy for myself. Well, for me, like my kind of step ten is that I just think to myself in my head at the end of my day. It's right. come to the end of the day. I look at what good have I done in the day. Right. What bad? What went wrong in my day? Okay. Look at how I acted. If I right. if I shouted at someone, what, why did I shout at someone? Right. Yeah. What, did I have reason to shout at them? But the biggest part of the step ten for me is awareness of my own behaviour. It's catching. There you go anything that I might be doing that okay. I might be acting in a way that right. it's, it's a little bit off it's not what I'm practicing or what I'm trying to be but what you kind of or what I what others I think should also bear in mind is don't punish yourself you are only human right. and the magic in this is is awareness it is awareness because if you're aware of something you right. can only work on it. You can right. only progress with it. Right. What do you want to take forward from that day? You did something good, pat yourself on the back, go with it, flow with right. it, do right. it again. If it was something bad, just remind yourself that you, sh you shouldn't have done that. Try it a different way the next time and don't carry that forward to right. the next day right. with you. So don't beat yourself up. When you're kinder to yourself and have compassion, that's a sign of spiritual growth, is it not? 
Yeah. Because in the past, we had contempt for everybody, especially for ourselves. And now that's changed, mm. right? Mm. Um, uh, there's one other component that I thought of in the 10th step for myself, and I'll share it for, for, for now. And that is, I look at what um, I could have done better, right? To whom I might need to apologize tomorrow. I look at what I did good as well. But then I look at what kindnesses other people have shown me, what I can be grateful for. And when I start thinking that way, it's amazing how nice people really can be, right? That's kind of an inventory of what happened to me during the day that um, is, is a positive thing. So I've absorbed enough of the teaching of AA, and I have to say here, it's all out there in the open and available to our audience at at uh, aa.org, it's simple, and by virtue of a bunch of AA literature as well as publications by other respected organizations like Hazelton Betty Ford Institute, you've heard of that one. And today I try to live the AA way of life. Well, that sounds like brainwashing, right? Well, when I made that charge early in sobriety to my counselor, that you know this is brainwashing, she says. Um, you know, I say, why, that sounds like brainwashing. He says, well, your brain is dirty. It needs to be washed. And I thought that was a perfect answer. How, how did you feel about AA when you first encountered AA? Did, what was your you know, reaction to Alcoholics Anonymous? Honestly, I was scared. I was uncomfortable. I did not want to be there. I didn't right. know what to expect. Okay. I, was, I felt like I was in the wrong room. Okay. And what was your? What were the circumstances where you first encountered Alcoholics Anonymous? Circumstances in what aspect? Well, in other words, how were you introduced to AA? What oh, happened? through what? My, it was actually through my mum's friends, someone. Okay, all right. And uh, encouraged me to go more, more like forced, pushed, without knowing. Right. Um, but they set along. you up in a way. Yeah, right? kind of. Yeah, you yeah, could yeah. say that okay. way. Um, so that explains why you didn't I felt, want to be there. Yeah, but I, f I just felt uncomfortable. Okay. It was something new. It was change, of course. Right. We don't like change. We don't no, like new things. No. I felt uncomfortable. I was caught off guard, and I didn't know what to expect. Were you sober now? Had you... No. Oh, okay. You were still drinking? Yes. Okay. All right. So when you... After you... And this was how long before you sobered up for good? Oh. A while? Three years, four oh, years. Oh, okay. All right. So you encountered it while you were still drinking, yeah. right? And then after your last drink, so to speak, what was your impression of AA at that point? Well, completely different. Okay. Completely different. Right. I, was, uh, I wasn't scared. I mean, in that way, I, I felt different. I felt different, I guess. So I wasn't scared. I wasn't petrified. I mean, I still didn't want to be there. Right. That, that remained the same. Yeah. <laughs> But I was seeing value in it. Okay. To some degree. Early on. Early on. Yeah. Excuse me. I wanted to see value in it. So were you hungry for more at that point? Were you? Were you? Is this one of those cases where, when the pupil is ready, the teacher will appear? You would sound like you were really ready to learn a new way of thinking and a new way of living. It's I wanted to, but also my natural reaction was to turn around and run the other way. Okay. The reason for that was because I wasn't ready to pack in. Oh, just okay. Yet. I hadn't packed in. Okay. It was only once I'd completely thrown the cards in, surrendered, as right. we say, there completely you go. surrendered, okay. 
that it didn't matter what I thought of AA. Right. I would go. Right, okay. And how, long, uh, and, and how long did it take you to throw in your cards, so to speak? Oh, uh, three, four years. Okay. Three, four All years. Right. All right. So, and this is, and this is, I think you would agree with um, your situation as wonderful an outcome uh, as you had was sort of typical where in and out of treatment and then, you know, um, resistance to a new way of thinking, resistance to surrender because it doesn't feel right. Because mm. surrender means, oh, mm. you're a loser. Yeah. Right? Um, surrender, weak. Weak. Lo- loser. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. It was just showing weakness. Surrendering is like... Yeah. Yeah. We, we, one does not surrender in our mm. society. Okay. Um, so that answers, you know, I think some of the early encounters that we have with AA and our resistance to it because A, sometimes, you know, we resist the word God for sure. We resist the concept of surrender. We don't like change. Uh, we're jumping into something that we do not understand. And we want to get the hell out of there because we've been a, a escape artists all our lives anyway, right? We, we didn't like responsibility or accountability. So without going into a lot of detail in each step in the process, which we continue to work since this is a lifelong endeavor, on the joyful road of self-discovery. That's, this is what I observe and believe. So what have we learned today? First, overall, Alcoholics Anonymous, or AA, is a tried and true method of staying sober for millions of alcoholics around the world. Two, there's an irrational resistance to the concept of a higher power simply because alcoholics want to do this on their own and in their own way. Three, Surrender has a lousy reputation, but it's critical to taking the first step on the road to recovery. Four, AA is not a secret society. If anything, it encourages recovering people to live open and productive lives, to go out there in society and be a good member of society. Five, as Tony has so eloquently described, AA is an all-or-nothing deal that really works to liberate you from the jaws of defeat and allows you to live an inspired and joyful life. Thank you for tuning in today. It's my fervent hope we've given you new insight and new hope that will lighten your burden. For our hearts go out to all who suffer the effects of addictive disorder. Please give us your feedback at info at safehouserehab.com. By all means, ask us any question you like, and we'll answer on air if you will. And if you want to leave us your first name and city, we'll recognize you too, of course. This podcast is sponsored by safehouserehab.com, where we take a modern approach to recovery, something all families of those who suffer deserve. Tune in next week for more.